0: Of God's word, uh, we're going to continue our study in the book of Romans. Uh, today, we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 14. Again, Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Um, we have a little Bible assistant. We'll bring a Bible to you. And if you don't have a Bible, it's from us to you as I give from us to you you can have it as well so if you need a bible just show your hands and we'll get a bible brought over to you it tells us in Romans chapter 6 starting at verse 12 let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey his passions do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And you are members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Let me pray for us. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we come to the time of the preaching of your word. Lord, I am weak this morning. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your help. Help me preach your word faithfully, Lord, that your people, Lord, and even myself, Lord, that Lord, we can be built up this morning. That we can see your glory this morning. So Lord, help us, Lord, worship you this morning, Lord. Even at this time in the preaching of the, the preaching of the word. Many hearts are heavy right now. Many are dealing with various things this morning. Lord, we know your word is the only hope for us. Your, own, your word is the only thing can bring about true healing. So Lord, we ask you to comfort us in your word. Build us up in your word. and crush them. we pray. Amen. I recently watched uh, the new Black Panther movie. It was a scene that stood out in the movie and I want to describe it right now, but I don't know if all of y'all seen the movie. Since y'all haven't seen it, let me give another illustration then from the first Black Panther movie. The first Black Panther movie is this guy named T'Challa, which was the Black Panther. He inherited this role as king or the Black Panther from his father. Well, T'Challa had a cousin named Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan, why did the lady start shaking her head when I said Killmonger? So Killmonger right, was this god that thought he should be king. He felt like he was the one should be used as king of Wakanda. What T'Challa said, he's the rightful king. Well Killmonger, he wanted to be king. He wanted to supply all the blacks and all the nations of the world with this vibranium so they can fight against any type of oppression. But T'Challa, he wanted to be able to see unity. He wanted to see peace around the world. So we had some people in Wakanda, they were supporting T'Challa. Then you have some people in Wakanda supporting Killmonger. So they fought over it. And they fought, and Killmonger actually seemed like he's won. He seemed like he defeated T'Challa. But all of a sudden we find out T'Challa never died And T'Challa comes back in the scene And he defeats Kimmonger and says he's the rightful king That reminds us of our test today Even though Kimmonger, When he actually threw T'Challa off the cliff Many people started to follow him And he demanded people to follow him he wanted to make sure that all of Wakanda would submit to him. Did I get this movie right, Zoe? So far? Oh, okay, I'm good then. When I did Friday, Zoe said I jacked up the movie Friday. I don't think I did, but but here we see in this movie Wakanda, Killmonger said he's the rightful king, so he demands people to rule over him. He demands the people to submit to him. That eventually T'Challa comes in and says, hey, the king is back. That this is his throne. And actually T'Challa comes in he wins this fight. Well today's text is going to be dealing with two kings as well. It's going to be one king going to say that hey, you come to me I give you the desires of the world right now. It it tells you that it's the rightful king at that particular time. Who I'm talking about? I'm talking about Satan. Satan is saying is that as you trust him, he gives you the pleasures of this world. And they feel good and you have access to them right now. You have freedom right now. You don't have to take care of your kids. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to have any responsibility. You can live a free life with no responsibility if you submit to me. But it's another king that we knew that was raised from the grave that sits on the throne in heaven forevermore that said, die to self and you submit to me and I give you all things that are rooted in me. So family, this morning, which king are you going to submit to? Are you going to submit to the king that gives you the desires of this world right now? The gratifications of the flesh right now? the things that look good, the things that taste good, the things that we see in the world, the world is going after. So who is the true king? If I could title this sermon today, I would say sin is not your king. Sin is not your king. We're going to do it in three points. Sin is not your king. You don't have to abort by it. Sin is not your king, you don't have to obey it in verse 12. Verse 13a, sin is not your king, you, you don't have to use your members for unrighteousness. And the last point I'm gonna give with 13B to 14. Sin is not your king because God is your king. Jumping point number one. Sin is not your king, you don't have to obey it. Let not your let not sin that for ran in your motor body to make all you obey his passions. Let not see it rain is actually a present imperative verb. This is a present command. We're dealing with right now. For example, a bus is coming, stop. Or you're playing t ball or playing baseball, run. Do not eat the last piece of Daddy Red Vemon cake. These are all commands. Well, here in verse 12 is also a command: do not let sin rain. Or let not sin rain. The question is, why is Paul making this command? We understand, we understand when a parent say, stop because a bus is coming, right? We don't want a child to get hit by a bus. But why is Paul making this command right here? Let not sin rain. But the word therefore lets us know that Paul said something before this. So there's a reason why Paul is saying, "Let not sin reign." Paul is saying this, going back to what he said previous in the chapter. Let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. Why don't we let it reign in our mortal body? Because Christ has overcome the grave. Because Christ reigns supreme forevermore. That we are in Christ now. We have new bodies in Christ Christ has redeemed us to himself We've been learning throughout the chapter There's no way we can be a believer to continue in sin By being in Christ We do the things of Christ He said For if we have been united with him in the death like his We shall certainly be united with him in resurrection like his We have been raised with Christ We are new creatures in Christ Again if it looked like a duck, it quacked like a duck. What's the last one? It walked like a duck. It's a, it's a duck. Even in this as a Christian, for those who have been born from death to life, we are believers in Christ. We look more and more like Jesus every day. You want to see our community change? You want to see people in our community change? You want to see things around us change? We look more and more like Jesus. We die to self. Paul gets in this command. Let not see him reign. Because now you are you a new creature in Christ. I remember I gave the last illustration last week. Tom Brady say he's playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In the middle of the game, they're playing the Patriots. What would it look like for him to walk from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and walk over and start playing for the Patriots? Is that possible? In the middle of a game, can he walk over and play with the next team? No. No. In the same way By by us being on a a team Which is on a team of Christ's team We can't walk away And be a part of another team By being on Christ's team We support everything that Christ does Everything that he says Because he's the true coach And that's what Paul said Let not sin reign Because sin cannot reign If you're on Christ's team You're in Christ Sin cannot have dominion over you I have dominion over you Which is Christ. That's not seeing right in your mortal body. This mortal is this physical perishable body. This body right here we have right here is perishable. That's why we check and we see our blood, hot blood pressure, right? We see all of these things and when I play basketball with some of you all, when I give you all that one too, every now and then, the next morning I got a feeling my ankles hurting, my legs are sore. Because these bodies are perishable. These bodies right here are will will end one day, but we will get eternal bodies, bodies that will never perish forever, will never perish, immortal bodies. But right now, these bodies we have are perishable, not everlasting. So even though it's perishable, that don't mean we should let sin reign in it. It's perishable so I'm going to go ahead and do what I'm going to do then and We're going to get rid of this body and get a new body So I might as well live where I want to live That's not what it's saying here Since we're going to get new bodies That don't mean we just don't take care of our bodies that God has given to us It's like a parent saying I'm going to buy you some more shoes at Christmas That don't mean you should intentionally go mess the shoes up I'm going to get something in Christmas. I'm going to step in the mud. That doesn't make sense. No, we cherish what God has given us. Even now, even though these bodies that we have right now are perishable, we still take care of them because ultimately God was the one that gave them to us. So family, even though we're going to get new bodies, we have a, we have a new spirit that's in us. And a new spirit in us and God's and encourages us to take care of our new bodies. So, family, when we give into sin, we don't cherish our new body, our old bodies. We don't cherish what God has given to us because they ultimately still belong to the Lord. The reason why? Because sin is dead in you. It tells us in Romans 6 11, So you also consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. How can something that is dead reign over you? That's why he saying, do not let sin reign over you. If you're dead to sin, how can sin reign over you? He is dead. You guys remember Pharaoh took Moses? Pharaoh tells Moses, I have never seen him in the last couple of years of the United Nations meeting actually demanding what he's doing actually in Egypt. He's dead. A dead person cannot continue making. Different rules and decisions. Dead people are not in charge. In the same way, sin is dead in your life. So sin does not have a dominion over your life, even though it's telling you that it's not dead. It's lying. Over and over, it's trying to say that it's alive, but it's truly dead in you, because you are truly in Christ. So you don't have to obey it. A dead dictator might have letters and stuff they had written over the years. And just like sin and saying certain things of the flesh that might still come to mind every single day, but at the end of the day, it does not rule over you for those that are in Christ Jesus. Our flesh is weak, and we still struggle at times. That doesn't mean we must submit to sin. A new spirit that God to submit to Christ and it's this inward battle and Paul's going to talk about this in Romans 7 it's this inward battle right the more he want to do good right the, 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 the right there sin is louching right there at him so even though we are new creatures in Christ it is a constant battle but the battle was already run because Christ was raised from the grave you remember when he was in the grave for three days he overcame the grave And so he reigns supreme so we can look to him as the true king and not sin. So sin sin might still come to us and come near us. But family, we don't have to obey it. We can say no to sin every day. The reason why we don't say no to it because a lot of times we like it. I just got to say what I got to say. She did me wrong or he did me wrong. I'm going to tell him how it is. It feels good to get it off our chest, doesn't it? It feels good to be in safety and God don't want us to save. And in those moments we gave in to sin and at that moment we are submitting to sin. Number two, sin is not your king. You don't have to use your members for unrighteousness. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Paul now gives another command here in verse 13. Do not present your members to sin. Paul is using these commandments over and over. Do not do this. Do not do this. He's making claims right here. Right. I mean, he's making these major commands right here. Because of what we are in Christ, who we are in Christ. Members is referring to the parts of the body. It's your mind, it's your arms, your legs, your stomach. Members are referring to every part of the body. Do not present any part of your body to sin. Again, to this king, this sin king, do not present anything to him. Don't give sin anything. All subjects must be present themselves to the true king, to the true king in his ministration. Y'all remember the story of the Hebrew boys having to submit in Babylon they had this statue before them But the Hebrew boys rejected it In order what? To represent or to, to worship the ultimate king Which is God Well this is very similar In verse 13 it's getting that That our ultimate king is Christ So we do we have to present ourselves To sin For those that present their members To sin They'll be using the members the instruments to unrighteousness. But like a tool for unrighteousness. Righteous, unrighteousness gets at the breaking of God's law. So all of our members should be pointed to the King of Kings. It should be pointed to our Lord. How does our members point to the Lord? We use our members to honor the Lord. We serve those around us and not serve the desires of the flesh. Pornography? We run from it. Those are the desires of the flesh. That's what Satan wants us to be able to pursue. We don't use our members for pornography. We don't use our members as our, our mouths in a sense of using to gossip, to belittle those around us. Or we use our tongue to build those up around us. Everything we use in our bodies is for the glory of God and of God alone. So, So we use everything for God's glory and God's glory alone. So our members of our bodies are to use for God's glory and God's glory alone. So ask yourself right now, for those that have been baptized that are Christians in this room, truthfully, how are you using your members? Yesterday, husbands, how are you using your members to honor your wife? Wives, wow, the same thing under your husbands. Singles out there, how you use your members, your body, to honor the Lord. Sometimes we get a little self-righteous. We might say, "Well, that person lied a lot, right?" And we kind of exalt ourselves. A family, all of us in this room, our are areas that we struggle with every day. So we don't have anything to boast but only in Jesus and, and so for all of us in this room is that every part of our body how we go to work on time how we speak to people how we love those around all of those things show who our King is again I'm not talking about worse righteousness right I'm not talking about worse right we do these things to be saved no, Christ saved us by what he's done. By him saving us now, we look like new creatures. We look different now. And our community see the difference in us. The difference in us. they seeing those people at Christ the Church are kind people. they seeing those people at Christ the Church serving those around us. Family, if we're running people away from us, family, we're not using our members for the glory of God. No matter how many times you go to church on Sundays. A family starts right now Alina always talks about the respectable sins some sins we are respectable because they're so small and we skip over those sins but for those in Christ we take every sin seriously we take everything seriously because we know that sin is a transgression of the law of God and God is holy and we care about the holiness of God so our lives are shaped about how we care about God. So, family, this morning, how are you using your members? It's for God's glory, or you pick and choose. It's gonna be on God's glory only when it only when it feels like it, or when something not going on in my life. When things are hard in my life, I'm gonna go ahead and tell somebody how it is, or it shouldn't be conditional. God should be glorified unconditionally at every single moment of our lives we should be honor to the Lord and that's how we shape our community that's how we see schools change that's how we see more businesses that's how we see these things happen in our community it starts off with us as Christians an assembled to the world what does it mean to look more like Jesus I understand why the world doesn't look like Jesus right because it's a fallen world. But for us that have been raised from death to life, family, we have been given the spirit of God. Family, God has given us his word. We have everything that is needed for us to be a difference in our communities. You look around Palm Love, 80% of people say they're Christians. If 80% is Christian family, we should be able to turn this thing around in no time. So family, let us walk in these truths. Last point, as we get ready to end, sin is not your king. God is your king. It tells us last week in verse thirteen b. But present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Verse thirteen b makes the transition to the positive. Now, Paul let the Romans know that they are called to present themselves to God because we have been brought from death to life. We have a new king now. Everyone that was born of Adam was enslaved to the king of sin. The first story here in, in, in Genesis four, when Cain killed his brother, then the whole sea line of Cain—they grew up in pride. They was known for all their engi- all their uh, engineering and, and all their things that they own that, 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 with their own personalities. And for all throughout the Old Testament, we see how king how sin goes all throughout the Old Testament. God was so good to Israel, that Israel would turn their back on God again. God would continue being good to them and they keep turning their back on them. Why? Because sin was all throughout the Old Testament. But for those that have been born in Christ, we're not enslaved to sin anymore. We're enslaved to Christ. That's why Paul says in verse 13. And your members to God are instruments for righteousness. At the moment, you see Paul is hitting on words here. At first, some of my members, they use their members for unrighteousness. And for those who are submitted to the king, the sin king. But for those who are submitted to Christ king, they use their members for righteousness. Righteousness deals with being right before the judge. You stand before the judge. And the judge has all of these different, the whole resume of your past. I got this a record. I got a record of this. But, but being in Christ. Our resume says, not guilty, not guilty, not guilty. Not because of what we have done, because of what Christ has done for us. He has made us not guilty. And we boast about what Christ has done. And by being not guilty, that now we live a life of righteousness. We don't say, well, Christ is righteous and we are married to Christ. That's enough righteousness so I can live in unrighteousness. No. Even though Christ is righteous, Family, we should follow him and being righteous as well. Do we mess up? Yes. Yes, we all mess up in this room. But as it defined us, we don't, enjoy, we don't enjoy messing up. We don't enjoy those things. We are fighting it every day not to do things that dishonor the Lord. We present our members to God for instruments of, or tools of righteousness. That every part of our bodies are used to do the right thing. Which are under the Lord. With complete obedience to his word. That's the reason why I was giving verse 14. Look at verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you. Since you are not under the law but under grace. This amazing proclamation right here. Again, Paul is dealing with sanctification. He has promises he's going to make us more like Christ. How do we know you're going to make a life more like Christ? Because he's not going to let sin have dominion over you. That's the great thing about a king. I got a chance when I was in Israel, I got a chance to see old Jerusalem. I got to say that the, the, the Old Testament, the, the walls, and one of the walls that was Solomon's temple was still actually there. And one thing about the walls, well, a kingdom had walls is for what? To keep out. To keep out the enemies but also on a the wall that will have some people on top of those walls being able to look around and see who's coming to better shoot at the enemy to keep the actual enemy from coming in in the same way for us that are in Christ with Christ having, having dominion he protects us and he keeps us as the true king he keeps us by his spirit he has given us his word to preserve us He has given us the church, right, to help keep us. And so in the same way, we see this community of believers, this kingdom of believers, that we are preserved in Christ, that he is the true king, that he has dominion, and he's going to protect us from evil. It talks about in the scriptures how he gives us, even in times of the heart, he gives us ways to get out of it, doesn't he? When temptation is hard, he gives us ways again Satan doesn't rule over God he doesn't rule over God God allows Satan this amazing thing listen to if y'all hear anything I said today listen to this God allows Satan he also allowed the desires of the flesh to be used to God to turn it around for us to trust him what I mean by that is that When David messed up with Bathsheba, now we get a wonderful prayer in what, Psalm 51? Is it Psalm 51 or Psalm 50? When David confessed his sin to the Lord. And all of us can benefit from it now. You remember the story about Joseph when he was sold by his brothers into slavery? And at the end of Genesis, it comes out and it says that, hey, what God meant for, what man meant for evil, God meant it for good and the same thing in our day to day life the things that are meant for evil in our life God turn around and use it for our good so you ask yourself Lord I've been praying about cursing too much I've been praying about cursing Lord I'm, I'm trying to do better I'm trying to do better you know I pray to you Lord you just want to take it away right now why won't you take this sin away right now A lot of time God doesn't just take a lot of those things away from us in that moment, but He continually allow those things to happen in our lives to teach us other valuable things in our lives. He teaches us how to trust Him. Paul prays that in Second uh, Corinthians, he asked the Lord to remove the storm from his side, and the Lord and He came out to say, "What the Lord said? What my grace is sufficient." The reason why the Lord didn't take it off is that the Lord wanted Paul to trust in the Lord's grace. So whatever you're going through this morning, the Lord might not take it away just right now. But you don't have to wait to the future, but you still can enjoy what God's doing in the midst of trials right now. That he's going to use that trial for you to trust him. It's going to teach you how to be patient. And and working with the Lord is always patience, isn't it? He's gonna teach us patience. So a lot of bad things that come our way, family, the Lord always used those things for our good. Not to condemn us, not to push us away, but to create a character in us for us to trust him. So family, Christ has dominion. The law was to show us our sin. So we are enslaved to the schoolmaster, which is the law, Because now we have the spirit of God in us. We're under grace now. One person says this. By being under grace, ruled by the strict demands of the law for perfect obedience as the basis of our standing before God, subject to his threats to condemn and curse all who break the least commandment, and yet given no gracious power to overcome sin or atone for it, as in the covenant of works. It talks about being under the law. But this is different right here from being under grace under grace we're is ruled by God's love in Christ who has perfectly atoned for sin and give power to fight and overcome it. That's the difference. The law has these strict commands of perfect obedience which none of us in this room have kept but under grace, Christ has kept all the laws that we couldn't keep that's why it says well done my good and faithful brother Russian, well done my good and faithful Jared Well done, my good and faithful Zoe. Well done, my good and faithful Demaya. And you're looking at it like, what have I done? Well done. What have I done? Good. That's the great thing about it. It's not about your goodness. It was about Christ's goodness that he imputed his righteousness to us. That now the father looks at When he sees us, he sees his son. He judges us based upon his son, not upon our failures anymore, because our failures were nailed to the cross. Family, we set free. We are free in Christ now because we are under grace. But let us not manipulate and misuse grace. Let us not go somewhere else around and say we are under grace so we continue in sin. No, we are under grace so we fight sin and we enjoy the Lord. Let me end with a couple applications. Try J. Blinken at me. You don't have to obey sin even though it might try to convince you to do so. You don't have to get, you don't have to Try to give in to pornography. Your flesh will try to tell you it's okay in moments. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to tell him or her like it is. Because sin did not reign over you. You don't have to get him or her back for not paying you back. Family, you're in Christ. You don't have to obey what sin does. And sometimes sin is so loud. It's so loud, and sometimes it looks so beautiful on the TV. Family, you can say no to it because you're in Christ. You can say no to it because you're in Christ. Second thing, you have to do everything for God's glory. So every part of your being should be submitted to Christ. Our hands on how we work. Not because the boss is looking. Not because somebody's looking at us. We do everything we do, and every nanosecond of the day... We do everything for God's glory regardless of who's looking at us. Our tongue and how we speak to one another. We don't speak to people in kindness because they're our boss. We speak to even people that's not our boss with kindness. Our stomach and how we eat. We're very generous, we don't covet food, we share with others. do not use your members as instruments for unrighteousness but use them as tools for righteousness building one another up and serving one another how do we know we in Christ sometimes people might not ever read the Bible the first impression that they probably want to know of Christ is how you live your life and family can we testify and say man Everybody I met today They saw the Christ in me How, how I live Can people testify that or, or Right now before your relatives Or cousins or boss Whatever the case may be What would they say about you For those in Christ We should be known for people with good character Even though people would vow against us People might lie on us I always use saying That God doesn't hold us accountable How people treat us He holds us on how we respond to them Last thing If if your life is continually submitted to sin You have sin as your king And not Jesus I would say prepare today And turn to Jesus today Put your faith in Jesus today Will it be hard? Yes I'm not going to lie to you so you put in faith in Jesus everything's going to go well Put your faith in Jesus and your sins is nailed to the cross, and the rest of your life, God is gonna be making you more and more like his son. And this is the church that's gonna walk with you as well. We're gonna help you walk on the journey. You guys ever heard of anybody show sure a hand heard of Pilgrim Progress? Pilgrim Progress it was one and written by John Bunyan, I think in the 16th century, to 17th century. On the life of the Christian. Family, we get hit left and right. But family, we don't give in. So I say for those that are continuing in sin, submit to Christ. Will you mess up for those that are believers? Yes, you mess up. But that's not who you are. You weep over your sins. You cry over your sins. You continue trusting in Christ. Let me pray for us.